We live with conflict in our lives, in our culture, and in our world, and even in the church. Human nature has not changed a bit, and the early church saw conflict too. And today we get to see how they deal with it. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me today as we dive into episode 116, and we pray our way through Acts chapter 15. But before we do that, let's open with a bit of worship, Acts 15, 15 through 18, and that's our basis this morning. It says, And the words of the prophets agree with this. This comes in the middle of a speech, by the way. I think this is James speaking, but we'll see. As the words of the prophets agree with this, as it is written, After these things, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again, so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, declares the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. All right, let's pray. Father, I appreciate that you are the rebuilder of broken things. I honor you for that. I honor you for the fact that nothing can keep your plan from coming to fruition. You are sovereign over all of the things here on earth, and you love all people. You've created each one of us in your image. We are all image bearers of you as as an amazing God, and we should look at each other like that. But most of all, I... I'm so grateful that you are full of love and inclusiveness beyond the Jewish community that was your people originally. I pray that we would feel that sense of love kind of from an outside perspective today as we look at this passage and that we are overwhelmed with gratitude that you have brought people to be your children out of every tribe, nation, tongue on earth, that we are brothers and sisters in something that is bigger than us and includes all of us. As we walk through this chapter today, it's it's long and it's kind of odd. And I just pray that you would really speak to each one of us about conflict in our own life, about conflict in the church, and about how to handle it wisely. Pray that you would, um, Spirit, open these scriptures to us so that we learn and can apply and recognize what you have to teach each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts chapter 15. In this chapter, we have a few conflicts in the early church, two of them, really, two main ones, a few arguments, and we get to see how they're resolved in totally different ways. They're two totally different kinds of conflict. And I want to give some context to you for the first one because it's a little odd. It's not something that's familiar with in in our culture. We have in this chapter what's been called the Jerusalem Council. There was a very conservative group in the church who thought that they should require all Gentile believers to become Jewish. So in order to be a believer in the early church, they wanted Gentiles to actually become Jewish as a requirement, to be circumcised and to follow the entire full Mosaic law. So they had a big meeting about it, and they called a bunch of people together, all the leadership of the church they met in Jerusalem. And this was probably about 10 years after Paul and Barnabas's trip to some of those Gentile areas and after 
Peter had spoken to Cornelius and they had ushered the Gentiles into this new early church. Having them required to fulfill all of Mosaic law would have made it impossible for them to live in the communities that were in. And it's putting a burden of behavior on them that the Jews had never been able to handle and wasn't a path to salvation according to, this is kind of affirming that faith in Jesus alone is what brings us to salvation. This was an important big theological conflict in the early church. So let's see what happens. We're going to dive in. I'm going to read, pray, read, pray through this fairly long passage. The scripture says, Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. After Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this issue. When they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. Let's pause there to pray really quickly. Father, one of the things I love about this passage that as they were on this trip for one pretty major purpose, this was a big theological debate, but as they went along the way, they're sharing everywhere what you have done. They're sharing everywhere the good news that you have brought to peoples, and that brought joy to all the brothers and sisters. So as they're working their way home, they're still sharing your story. And I want us to think about that as well. I want you to kind of build that into our lives in a way that if we have a big purpose, that all along the way to that purpose, we are celebrating and talking about and remembering and honoring you for what you're doing in the world on our way to whatever that big task is. All right, so we'll pick up again when it says, when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you are aware that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did with us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their heart by faith. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples as next that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way that they are. The whole assembly became silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they stopped speaking, James responded, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon, that's actually Simon Peter, has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophets agree with this, as it is written, After these things I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again, so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, declares the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, in my judgment, we should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God. Instead, we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from blood. For since ancient times, Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city and every Sabbath day he is read aloud in the synagogues. Let me pause there in context. 
There are Jews in every cities. There are going to be Jewish believers in the Christian faith. There are going to be Gentile Christians. And in order for them to live together in harmony without causing offense, that the Jews may continue to observe their customs, that the Gentiles aren't required to, they were creating this format of things that they could do so that they weren't offending each other. Plus, sexual immorality was something that was very common in the Gentile world. It was not considered a problem. And so they were also reinforcing the purity required. So now that I've, now that I've said that piece, let's go back and pray through this section. We start where we have this Jerusalem council. And Father, I want to look at this today in the context of conflict. We have a church conflict here. There is a theological discussion. And they brought men together, leadership and elders in the church, and they discussed it, they debated it, they talked about it, they reasoned through it. And finally, we see end of that process where Peter summarized his argument and James came behind that supporting it. Peter's argument was experiential. You had given your spirit to this group of people the same way that it was given to the Jews. James came behind and supported that with scripture. So it was not just emotional, it was not just experiential, but there was also the truth of your word that could lay on top of this. And James mentions, I think, several things. He quotes the one, but he talks about it being available in the prophets as well. And so that's sort of a multi-layered area. This wasn't just one verse taken out of context. This was the truth of who God is. We have a large conflict being resolved by reasonable debate, by experiential evidence, and by the Word of God. And I pray that as we go into disagreements within our own churches, I pray that we would come to that with the same kind of qualities, with reasonable debate, with reliance on your Word to back up our experiences. And I pray that we would also be listening to the Spirit. Their decision was unanimous. They came to a unanimous unity over a strong conflict because of these things, because they reasonably discussed it, because they sought answers with your spirit and in your word. And I pray that we would find that to be true in our churches as well. Let's pick up in the verse that says, Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to select men who were among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas called Barsabbas, and Silas, both leading men among the brothers. They wrote, From the apostles and the elders, your brothers, to the brothers and sisters among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some without our authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts, we have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you along with our dearly loved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who will personally report the same things by word of mouth. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours, not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements, that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. Let's pray through that for just a moment. Father, I, I want to say two things. Really, I'm so struck by the fact that we are maybe 10 years in to something that had rocked the Jews' world. Ten years in to overcoming hatred and conflict between two peoples. And here they are being considered as brothers. He says, your brothers, to the brothers and sisters. They had welcomed these previously hated people into the church. 
and they are wanting to make it easy for them to live in relationship with you. They are looking out for both sides, but treating them as brothers. And I think that's a good example for us. It happened very quickly. And there are divides in our church today that have been going on for centuries. Forgive us. Forgive us for not being more concerned with the power and witness of your name, the unity of people in your family, than we are about theological differences. Pray that you would build up the church in a way that creates unity. Pray that our decisions, like this one, as this letter states, would be the Holy Spirit's decision and ours not to place further burdens on people beyond these basic requirements of not offending each other. Help us not to place more burdens on people than is what exists in your word. Help us to not set up obstacles in the way of people coming to know you. Because we have, we, we need to dismantle those. Those are human set up obstacles to a relationship with you. And I pray that we would tear those down and instead be making decisions based on the spirit and your word. So let's pick up again. So they were, here scripture says, so they were sent off and went down to Antioch. And after gathering the assembly, they delivered the letter. When they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Both Judas and Silas, who were also prophets themselves, encouraged the brothers and sisters and strengthened them with a long message. After spending some time there, they were sent back in peace by the brothers and sisters to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas, along with many others, remained in Antioch, teaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord. How encouraging must that have been to a people who were like, we can't be a part of this unless we totally become Jews? Like, that doesn't make sense to us. And they received this encouraging letter. They received not only the letter, but visits and long encouragements from the leaders of the church. Pray that we would show those in conflict or those who are um, on the, I wanted to say fringes, but the Gentile believers weren't on the fringes. That's not really the word I wanted to, but those maybe on the other side of the fence, as much love and respect uh, as, as we show those on our own theological side of the fence. I pray that we would encourage each other and that I just celebrate this ability to reach out in love to each other and celebrate differences. What we've just covered is a huge conflict in the church overall, right? This is a, a large theological debate. And here we have a small one. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit. I don't know if he said, hey, he said, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Let's pray. Father, here we have a personal disagreement. Before it was a church disagreement. Now this is personal. This is a Paul reacting to what he felt like was abandonment and betrayal by John Mark. This is a personal disagreement that broke apart a partnership in ministry that had been a decade old. 
Like this was not just, we did this thing, now let's go do another thing. This would have been hard for them. This would have been painful. Barnabas takes John Mark, goes one direction. Paul takes Silas and goes another direction. Both of these men, John Mark and um, Silas, right? So I think that's short for Silvanus, who is mentioned later in the New Testament. Both of these men go and have a major impact, not only with Paul and with Barnabas, but in the future. And what resulted from that is that more people, more churches were strengthened than if they had all three or four gone off in one direction. And so in this case, Father, I ask that we would recognize in our lives ways that you work good from what we feel like bad things. Nobody wants disunity. Nobody wants interpersonal conflict. Here you ended up working it for good. I know that you can take all the circumstances of our lives and turn them into something that is long-term good for your kingdom and good for us. And so I ask that when we walk through hard times, when we make the best decisions we know how, when we're able to disagree without disrespect, I pray that you would continue to build those things up in us. I know that that sentence didn't make sense, but I ask that you would build those qualities up in us, the ability to see and the privilege. I think later on they see that, but that's a privilege to be shown how the details of our lives that we struggle in can be used further for our or someone else's good. And I I ask for you to bring those things to mind. Pray that as we deal with conflict, whether it's interpersonal or whether it's churchwide, I guess my very biggest ask in this is that as we participate in that conflict, as we have disagreements with people, that you would keep our eyes focused on, on the goal of glorifying your name, less focused on our own benefits, on our own feelings, on our own difficulty with betrayal or disagreement, and more focused on the idea of unity and glorifying your name. Help us learn to walk through conflict like that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, that felt like a marathon to me. (laughs) I don't know if it felt like that to you or not, but that's how it felt to me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I so appreciate you guys being here with me and joining me in this process on the Grace and the Gravel Road Facebook page. We will be back right here again on Monday morning at 10 o'clock with the next chapter. And I hope that you can join me. If you are a podcast listener, thank you for joining us on that platform. If you subscribe, that helps the algorithm make us available to more people. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace and the Gravel Road, helping Christian women grow a God-first life and business. And my heart is that as you and I do this two times a week, that we would all grow in our prayer lives, that we would be built up in not only prayer, but community. Pray that most of all, God would cause you to fall deeper and deeper in love with him. Amen. Amen.